better or worse, the relationship between science, film, and media has long been intertwined. We're here to dissect that relationship, turning it inside out for all to see. And throughout the years, one truth has revealed itself. You don't need good science to make a good movie. But it sure makes it better. Hello, and welcome to The Real Science Podcast, a podcast where three highly qualified, sexy professionals pick a movie and pick apart the science. My name is Michael Pace. My name is Sean Crossan. And today, we don't have Kenan Smith, or at least not at this moment in time. Not at this moment. What, what, what is he up to, Sean? He sends his regards, but he got held up uh, in lab. It is 7 o'clock p.m. He is still in lab running a neutralizing antibody assay, which probably doesn't mean anything to you guys, but what it means is that Ken is not here <laughs> recording with us. <laughs> That's exactly what it means. The The people have waited too long for this episode. We are not We are not going to just idly stand by while Kenan ruins this podcast single-handedly. Oh, it's it's unacceptable. Yeah. We decided to take charge, right, Base? Yeah, I mean, there's only so much you can do whenever someone has such a high degree of negligence for for our show. You know, this I, is I our, this is our podcast now, Kenan. This is our it's our fucking show, Kenan. Get out of here and let us take the reins and do this. Okay, Sean. Yes. Yeah, so now we, this is a special episode. A, oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, Pace. No, it's okay. Please go on with what you're going to say. I was saying we staged a coup, and this is ours. Well, now. yes. And and the the ironic thing of all of this is that Kenan is going to edit this show and then he's going to cut all of our good content out. Um, but it. that's the price that we pay for rebellion, I guess. That is, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so for being a bunch of mutineers, um, this is a spe- special episode, though, right, Sean? It is, as we've talked about on social media. If you've been following, and I, some of you have, we've had a lot of questions. We are not actually doing a movie this week. We are going to do a mailbag episode where we answer the questions from our beloved listeners. Uh, most of them science-related. Some of them just uh, buckwild questions. But we yep. we take all comers here on the Real Science Cast. We don't. We yeah, don't, we do. Beggars can't be choosers. Hey, we're not beggars. We have a bunch of great listeners to great content. So we do. you're right. This is a this is a mutual relationship. A wealth of material to choose from. Yeah. So I guess uh, should we do our disclaimers? Yeah, we should. Um, I can do those quickly for us. You know, this is um, this is a, this is an adult program. We are uh, we're we're adults. We well, damn, at least damn like straight face. Well said. Straight- <laughs> <laughs> We are quote, quote unquote, adults, and because of that, there will be some, you know, some adult content, some adult language, and uh, put your, put your, uh, put your sub eighteens in the, in the crib where they belong, um, <laughs> the while crib. you listen to our great show. I know what I know what kids do and where they go. Um, I think that uh, you should also just be ready for us to get, you know, maybe we'll get a little technical jargon with some science that we're talking about, but um, but we're gonna try to make it you know, relatable for you guys to, to listen to and, and to appreciate and to understand because uh, that's one of the great parts about our show. So exactly. um, with that in mind, I, I think that... Uh, is, is there anything else, other housekeeping things we need to touch on, Sean? I don't think so. I mean, we'll talk about the next movie coming up uh, for the next we episode, will. but I think we should just... I guess just to clarify for everybody, if they didn't realize what a mailbag episode is, again, we're just doing listener questions, so we're just going to dive into those. These are questions we've received by email... Uh, at realsciencecast.gmail.com 
or on Twitter, which is at Real Science Cast, or on Facebook. Just kidding. No one posts on Facebook anymore. <laughs> but we're just going to be reading those. So we'll probably do another one of these episodes at some point. So if you like it and you want your question on the show, just contact us via one of those methods. And I think we should kick it off, huh, Pace? Hell yeah. I'm ready. Uh, Sean, would you like to read the first sure. question? Yeah, let's just alternate here. Let's do that. All right. So yeah. our first question sent in by Amanda Ball, uh, which is Amanda Baller on Instagram. Amanda asks, can being around the bodies of people who have died of plague slash illness make you sick? Or is there an amount of time after which it's fine? You know, it's a good question. The first thing that comes to my mind with this question is we're working under the assumption that make you sick means contract what that person might have died from. Yes. I suppose. Yeah, I think that's correct. In which most people would think, oh, like the Black Plague. Right, right, right. Which was, which is the notorious bacteria-driven illness that, you know, killed millions and millions of people in the Middle Ages. So I think the question is, as an example, if someone dies from the Black Plague, how do, how do you avoid getting the Black Plague while seemingly having a desire to spend time around a dead person so so i think honestly it really comes down to the route of administration for the disease if we're talking about like you know microscopic pathogens like bacteria and viruses or just the, the main ones it's all about how you contract them so for example something like hiv which is a virus uh it causes aids hiv is only spread by um blood and seminal fluid and like among maybe some other body fluids but like those are really the main ones Um, but like not by saliva right so do you really those rules still apply for a dead body if a person is dead unless they have bodily fluids that contain the virus in them coming out of their body you're not gonna contract it from them Right. Um, there obviously is a point where a person's decomposing, but it's going to be different and, for every single, um, and, and fluids would be exposed. Yeah. But like, it's going to be different <laughs> for every pathogen, right? Because like, yeah, yeah, if yeah. it's enough to decompose their tissue, you'd think that most pathogens are going to be decomposing as well. Right. Uh, Maybe not bacteria, y- but like viruses. Like, yeah, but yeah, viruses for sure. A bacteria could probably still thrive. Um, yeah, it just depends I, on the bacteria really. And another thing, you know, that is important to keep in mind, if you, you were talking about HIV, people people who have HIV, they mostly don't actually end up dying from the HIV. They die from something else because their immune system is compromised, right? That so you're worried, yes. worried about contracting HIV. But I, I think the most basic example and ways in which you can avoid getting, avoid getting sick from people who have died of an illness is to not, don't lick them. Don't, um, don't <laughs> sure. put, don't put parts of them in or around any of your orifices. Um, I think you're going to be fine. I think you're going to be okay. I mean, this is not the thing about this also, like this was, this is the thing with like Ebola outbreaks, like people burying um, individuals who have died from Ebola. They will then contract Ebola from them by handling the body. And that's because like Ebola causes a massive, let's just say extrusion of body fluids coming out of a lot (laughs) of places. Yeah, and so it's not ugh. like the person's decontaminated before they're buried. And that is why people will get infected. Now, obviously there is definitely a point of time where the virus will not be active anymore, but 
honestly, I don't know that point in time. So yeah, better to be safe than sorry. But yeah, always so this wear is your PPE. Definitely something to think about. With the plague, the plague, people were probably just like really dirty and covered in shit. So like that's why oh hell was yeah, dude. It. Yeah, dude. They're probably well. We don't need to get into what they're doing with their dead bodies, but I mean, they're just you know they're hanging out with dead bodies and just getting a little too close for comfort. So yeah, I mean, I've seen Monty Python. I know what they do. Yeah, dude. Yeah, who hasn't seen that? Who hasn't seen that? <laughs> Which one was that? Was that um it was, Holy uh, was Life of Bro- It was Holy Grail, wasn't it? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah bring out your dead. Like, just bring them out. Just keep yeah. bringing them out. Yes, yeah. Jay Z um, was up there. And he was like, bring them out, bring them out. And then they just <laughs> dropped a bunch of dead bodies in a cart. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, it really took me by surprise when Jay Z showed up in the middle of like this sort of like uh, this ironic middle age themed comedy special. That's you know, but but hey, I mean it's it's you know Jay Z is yeah, yeah, basically yeah. immortal. Like, you know he's he's down to clown. He <laughs> is down to clown. <laughs> do you think he is? Uh, let's do the next well, at first. I on, think it's a good idea. Yes. Thank you, Amanda Ball, for your question. Yes, thank you, Amanda. Now we can do the next question. Um, so this next question comes from Sarah Eisenlore, uh, at Byzantine Fork on Twitter. It's a very simple question, Sean. It's just five words. Why does salt melt slugs? Hmm. The, the, the age old question that, that we have pondered and struggled with for centuries. Is this like when you're like, if I'm playing like Fortnite with a slug and like (laughs) they keep like, you know, camping at my spawn and just killing me or something. And then I get like really salty with them. Is that I, I wouldn't know Sean because I only play good video games. I've actually never played Fortnite. I was just trying to connect with the youth listening to our show. You're older than older than 15 years of age, so you probably haven't played Fortnite. <laughs> yes, but uh, yes, that's exactly what I mean, Sean. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, um, I don't know why because I've never played Fortnite. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> what if we were talking about these about these very wet? Uh, uh, wow, what? <laughs> Hold on. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm struggling over here. What about what about these like these very very wet things that have no skeletons that crawl on the ground and very very slowly? Oh, you mean like the animal animal slug, right? Yeah. The actual animal I slug. I see the animal yeah. slug, right? So if you put yeah. actual salt crystals, if you put on salt them. crystals on a slug. What's the deal? What I'm maybe what I'm asking is what's the deal with slugs? Well, I'm pretty sure what the deal is. So if you look at like the difference between you and a slug, aside from the fact that we have like a, a vertebrae, there's also, we have like a, a very yes. thick layer of like skin on our body, right? And the skin oh, protects yes. us from basically everything we interact with in the environment. Correct. Within reason. Uh, slugs, they have like a mucous membrane on the exterior of their body and they are not um, equipped to handle some of the harsher components of our environment. Okay, but you would have think you 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 would have thought that 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 would not be evolutionary advantageous. And why aren't the why aren't all these slugs dead? Well, if that's you, what if you live like in the wet soil, then it's fine, right? That's true. But like we are like terrestrial, like we don't like bury in the ground where all the water is like collecting. We have to drink water inside our bodies, right? Like slugs just yeah. sort of like yeah chill in a moist environment so they don't need uh this big protective coating of skin but the consequence of that is if you put salt on it what happens is since they're uh essentially like their insides are kind of exposed in that sense like they're not their insides but they have a wet membrane when you put salt on it 
The salt actually draws the water outside of the cells from the slug. So it's kind of the opposite of melting. You're kind of like dehydrating right, them. Right, right. So you're making them shrivel up. And that's because like the water that is inside their body is now being pulled onto the outside of their body. Right, and they're dependent upon maintaining uh, that, that moist, uh, the moist exterior. Uh, right. In order, for, it's for, sort of for like living. the same thing that would happen. Like, I think most people know you're not supposed to drink seawater, right? Because it's really salty. So Indeed. when you do that, you're doing the same thing to your body. When you put the salt water inside your body, it's pulling liquid from your cells, like into your intestines and stomach and everything. Right. And so that's actually right. dehydrating you from the inside. Um, but normally you would throw up, hopefully, to avoid that from happening. <laughs> you absolutely would. Yeah. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. But yeah, so that's why. Sarah, thank you for your question. Um, we thank appreciate you. it. Sean, would you like to jump into the next question? Yes. Pace, I have a question for you. And this one, not so easy. <laughs> not so easy of a question, but it's from... Well, we're going to tackle it anyway. Yeah, we're going to we're gonna dive right in there. Uh, it's from Kelly McArdle at... I... Whoa. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. Iokiara. Iokiara. Uh, at Iokiara on Twitter. Thank you okay. for your question, Kelly. Oh, wait. There's a fucking phonetic. <laughs> Did you miss that? Oh, I missed it. Yeah, Iokiara. Cool. Okay. All right. At Iokiara on Twitter. Kelly McArdle. Thanks for your question. The question is, what sort of pop science are you guys interested in? And can you comment on the recent news stories about the search for the gay gene? There's quotes around gay gene. I mean, uh, those are an, an adequate and accurate use of quotes. Yes, Absolutely. I was just letting the... The audience know. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's important. The first question. Yeah, let's do them one at a time. Yeah, I, I, I can comment on this quickly. Maybe not quickly, but I have an answer for Perfect, you, Kelly. I, I'm I think while you answer. Yeah, do so. I, I think that the important thing to do here is, as I am like to do in these situations, is we need to define what pop science is. Because if you're just referring to popular science, uh, this can mean a lot of things. I, I would say the big popular science topics in today's society include things like uh, gene, gene editing, um, yeah. cl- uh, climate change and global warming. And uh, I mean, I would say that maybe nuclear power has always been a popular issue. And, and you know, if, if we, and I maybe even um, something along the lines of like consciousness and uh, the self, those are always, these are also, you know, popular scientific psychological ideas, but mm-hmm. In regards to pop science, from from that perspective, I've always been very, very interested in climate change and, and climate science and the potential impact that, that man and man's habits have upon the stability of ecosystems within our planet. Um, that's always something that I've been really passionate about in, in regards to minimizing that sort of impact and uh, dedicate you know a decent amount of my time to, to, to curbing uh, my own environmental impact. And I, I also think that this topic is interesting because it also inspires innovation. And by that, I mean, it inspires innovative energy te- uh, technology, ways of living more efficiently on the earth, not only for the sake of reducing our environmental impact, um, but also just like a preparation for overpopulation, which is going to happen. Um, it's inevitable. And uh, I think that you know, there are issues that are linked um, and I think overpopulation is also, a, a, if you want to call it a scientific issue, it's 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 very prevalent in regards to, I guess, pop culture, because a lot of movies that we cover 
are about futuristic scenarios in which overpopulation is a huge issue. And so are resources. Um, and I think that climate change is linked to that in regards to how it will let us, you know, strive towards uh, developing those technologies that will allow us to live more efficiently in the future. Okay. So that's my answer. Well, that's a really, really good and well thought out answer. Um, Thank you. I don't think I'm honestly that into pop science, which is weird because I am a scientist, but I think it's more because it's like my job uh, that I don't really get that hyped about like, I'm also just not that big on social media, so I don't follow like trending stuff as much. Um, So I'll hear about stuff when it's becoming not the trend anymore. So I'm not really with the zeitgeist, but I think if I had to pick like a a thing of like pop culture science of like things that I just enjoy, um, it is like environmental science to some extent, but it's really like TV shows like Blue Planet or stuff like that, where it's just like, hey, check out this weird shit that lives in the ocean like that's that's (laughs) my science you know like i want to see like a fish with like 20 eyeballs that like hell itself or something you know you you like the um you like the wild and wily aspects of the natural world yeah exactly i like that stuff i like the fucking like yeah oh but and like that also does come along with some sort of environmental science as far as like oh the ecosystem of this wild crazy fucking animal is being destroyed because this animal is only born like every 20 years or something and it's got some weird life cycle thing so yeah so but i mean i honestly like as far as pop science goes i really i like those kind of tv shows i grew up like watching those when i was a kid so i think that's a good answer sean i mean there are lots uh, there are lots of like web pages and like social media accounts that are are dedicated to weird shit that happens in nature right you know i do like people people love that to some extent yeah sure check out these cool pictures of jupiter i'm like yeah sweet jupiter yeah sweet it's a fucking planet it's a whole jupiter planet look at it planet check it out (laughs) (laughs) that's just the title of the article (laughs) oh fuck yeah look at jupiter oh fuck it's a planet Yes, really good. All right, second part of the question, Pace. Can you comment on the recent news stories about the search for the gay gene? Oh, this is oh, this is an exhausting topic. It's not an exhausting because I don't want to talk about it. It's exhausting because I'm exhausted by the idea of the gay gene. Um, by so, that, I mean... Go ahead, Sean, if you want to ask a, so a preliminary question. last time um, when we were recording, we were trying to record this episode, and you were having issues with your recording setup... Ken mm-hmm. and I actually looked looked this up, and I was like, the gay gene. Let's Google this. There's like an article from the 90s that has talked about finding a gene that causes homosexuality. And apparently sure. it was not reproduced very well. So it's widely regarded in the scientific community as like not being an accurate study. And it was talking about like the implications of the gay gene and how this paper is still cited today about the existence of a gay gene which is pretty wild so to ridiculous. me i mean it, that happens in science but it was just interesting to see that so i guess it's it, still a thing yeah. that people have looked well, for claimed to find but not really found stuff like that right i think that it is difficult to even you know uh play around with this idea because okay let's 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 um Let's be devil's advocate here. Let's say that um, let's say that there is a genetic basis to sexuality. Let's just like let's use that as a premise, uh, at least an initial premise for this conversation. Uh-huh. If it, if there was, and the degree to which the spectrum exists 
that it, in, in which sexuality occurs in human beings, there's no way that it is one that it's like a mono, uh, a um, uh, like a monogenetic like trait. A single gene, right? There's no so, way it's a single gene. That so would be ridiculous. I think what Kelly's actually referring to is there's a New York Times article, and it's okay. titled. Uh, many genes influence same-sex sexuality, not a single gay gene. And basically what the, it's like a, you know, an article citing some scientific study that's like a large, it's a genome-wide association study. Oh, uh, yeah, GWAS. same-sex yeah. behavior mm-hmm. and looking at like the genetics between same-sex individuals. Sure. And apparently there's some number of genes that are identified as like being more prevalent in a gay individual's background or something like that. that, You mean like alleles? Yeah, certain alleles of of a gene. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that, that is solid science. I mean, it's, it's, well, it's, it's solid science as long as they're just like, I mean, a GWAS is a very, very common technique. Right. uh, Like uh, to, to find just differences in genetic patterns, you know, between two conditions. Yeah. Right. So maybe we should get into what a genome wide association study is, which was called GWAS. People call it that. So just real briefly, all humans have the same genes, but we have different variations of these genes, and these are called alleles. Um, and it's basically there are slight changes in. So say, what's a what's a good gene pace? Like, should we go with like, uh, oh gosh, hemoglo- like beta globin um, for like hemoglobin, right? Everyone I mean, that's a pretty a- basic one. Yeah, you need that stuff in your blood. So like this yep. is this is a gene that makes the protein hemoglobin which binds oxygen and that's how you deliver oxygen around to your cell so everybody has this gene but not everyone has the exact same genetic sequence there are some slight variations from people to people and that's the case for like every gene Um, and so when you look at a genome-wide association study they basically take people who have a certain trait and compare them with people from another trait so they could say like okay, these people were all born in Europe. These people were all born in Africa. Let's see if there are any differences in their genetics and stuff like that. So you can get ideas about like, this gene seems to be prevalent in this background, like ethnic background, and this gene, like allele is prevalent in this background. So it seems like what they probably did is they took like uh, gay individuals and straight individuals and looked at their whole you know they looked at like a profile of their alleles for a bunch of different genes and saw that there was like a pattern right what's like the like the impact of this because i that's that's what i was going to ask i mean i like i think this is interesting and i think that it is it's it's not bad science i mean of course not it's not that like it's a bad study yeah I think the question is, what are you hoping to achieve by um, by finding out which which genes correlate with with certain uh, sexualities? Uh, because if if you were to find the answer, let's say you have a, you have a genetic profile, you have this gene profile of you know this this pattern of alleles, you know mostly corresponds with. Uh, homosexuality or this this pattern of alleles mostly corresponds with bisexuality but the thing is there's everything in between and we're still working to sort of understand how maybe that's even a wrong word wrong phrasing to use people are discovering every day you know how sexuality manifests itself in humans right and i i, I more so think that 
they can try to like <laughs> nail down which genes uh, actually correlate this, but it's it's so much more complicated than exactly. that. Exactly, and I think that's the thing that doesn't come across to the public with these articles is like, yeah, all the science they did is good science, and it's good practices, and it's not like it's falsified or anything. It's just that the impact is actually like a lot less than what these articles make it out. To Absolutely. Be. So like yeah. people do these studies all the time with like, oh, you have this gene that gives you like a twenty percent increased likelihood of being bald or developing Alzheimer's or stuff like that. When they say it's like a 20% increase, they don't really, it's, it's very, it's arbitrary because that means that we don't know what the implications of a certain allele are. So there are some alleles where you're like this 100% can lead to uh, sickle cell anemia or something like that. Like this mutation if you have it, will cause a disease in like 99% of the population. So there, but the ones that are that cut and dry, uh, we know about them already. So the ones that aren't cut and dry, it's sort of, yeah, we can find these associations, but the actual impact of them, I mean, you could have a person that has like, you know, nine out of 10 of these alleles and be, be not gay. And it's like, yeah. Okay. So, but yeah. because we don't know, you know, it's just we don't know what the other impacts well, are of it. Whether or not there is a genetic component, maybe there is, but there's probably also other components as well that go beyond genetics. We're talking epigenetics. We're talking about environment. We're talking about, um, you know, the, the the interaction between the two of them, even like timing. Yeah, and stuff absolutely. Like that, you know. Yeah, I I think it's a complicated picture, and I would be shocked if I mean it's. You probably, if you, if, you know, if there was, you know, decades and decades of research that were dedicated to this topic, yeah, you could probably get a better idea of, you know, what factors, you know, contributed to sexuality. Um, But at the same time, I think it's a, the way that I view it, a desire to understand it also implicates a desire to change it. Um, And because I think about prior searches for scientific understanding of things, it's mostly because you want to manipulate, you want to manipulate something. Or if you want to uh, leverage it to improve your own life or whatever it is, which is a, not a bad thing. But in regards to human sexuality, that's something that I think, and how much it's linked to individual expression and identity, uh, we don't necessarily need to be trying to figure out the nuts and bolts of it and attempt to change it because yeah, I don't see, it doesn't seem to pr- uh, productive to me. Right. It's and interesting, I do say that but I don't think the scientists yeah. doing this study are necessarily aiming at changing anything. It's just a good point right. to make, right? Like with the information, you always have to think about the ethics about like, what are the mm-hmm. implications of this? And I honestly think that like, even if you, if you looked at all this information and you were like, you know, there is a bunch of genes that make you gay or there aren't a bunch of genes that make you gay. It's completely environmental. I don't think, I mean, it doesn't matter, right? Like that shouldn't matter. Exactly. You know, like there are a exactly. lot of things that are environmentally influenced. It doesn't mean that like the person has any more, you know, say in the matter. Right. Right. So, of course. But yeah, I think that was a, that was a pretty thought provoking question that really changed a lot from us just murdering slugs with salt. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we really like to do one hundred and eighty like that. So thank you, Kelly, um, yeah, for thanks, that Kelly. insightful question. We appreciate you and your question. Um, so let's, let's keep going. Uh, this next question comes from Mary Catherine, uh, at Mary Catherine 08 on Instagram. Uh, what is your favorite movie that you've watched so far on the, on your show? And this, I think we touched on this the last time that we did a mailbag, but I think it's, we've watched a lot of different movies since then. Um, so yeah. it's, it's worth updating our views on this. 
Okay, I went through the catacombs of the Real Science Cast episode list, and I have an answer. And I think mine is actually different from last time. So I thought a lot about this because we did some really good movies like Ghostbusters, which is like one of my all-time favorite movies. But I'm going to pick my favorite as something that I hadn't watched before the show. And my favorite is Deep Blue Sea. And that is because that movie is it's fucking great. (laughs) It is good. It was a good movie. I mean, it's like it's like hemorrhaging jokes, you know, like it's so good. It really is. There's a shark that just explodes at the end. I can't I can't not pick Deep Blue Sea. So And and Samuel L. Jackson just gets torn a new one in that one. Right right in half. Just Yeah. Yeah. So I'm gonna go with Deep Blue Sea, because it's honestly one more thing about Deep Blue Sea. The most, like, the love <laughs> yeah. interest, how she just fucking dies at the end. It's, like, the most oh, great. unique movie ending I've ever yes. seen in my life. Yes, <laughs> I love that she died. She I fucking, love that she died. She just fucking dies. And then they just start making yes. jokes about sushi. That's Hell the yeah. end of the movie. Absolutely. So. And everyone knows shark sushi is the best sushi. Of course, of course. Um, yeah. So, Pace, what about yours? Uh, I, I can't remember what mine was the first time that we did a mailbag, but... I'm still convinced that Snowpiercer is my favorite movie that we have done. It was so good. Um, mostly just because I love these sort of um, uh, societal metaphor that, that exists within uh, within Snowpiercer. And that movie was also Buck Wild, it, if you'll remember. It was Buck Wild. I do yes, remember that. It was because they went up car by car by car and they found the cockroach cooking uh, factory and they found um, they found the nightclub with all the drugs. And, uh, and then um, they got to the very front of the train and we realized that nothing really ever matters in the world. So. Yeah. It was a unique movie. I'll give it that. It's like life. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, so, you know, based upon that, based upon that uh, Kenan, what do you think? Oh, I'm here. <laughs> yes, thank you. I we all needed Phoenix, that. I rise from the ashes. Oh. oh, yes. Great. Sure. My favorite movie is Ghostbusters. Oh, Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. What, a, what, a, Ghostbusters. what an iconic and unique choice. Why don't you explain yourself? So last time uh, we did this, I went back and I listened to our very good mailback episodes, which are... Uh, at the same or worse quality than this one will be. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty yeah. sure I picked Rampage last time, and there was a lot of reasons why. Uh, I didn't listen to them. I only listened long enough to see which one I picked. Uh, but I assume all of my reasons were bad. Ghostbusters, this Probably. time, is my favorite uh, movie that we did because I think it produced one of my favorite episodes that we've made. <laughs> okay, that's good, too. Yeah. I also Ghostbusters is just like one of my all-time favorite movies, so mm-hmm. I was going to pick it, but I'm like, I had never would have watched Deep Blue Sea if it wasn't for the show. <laughs> yeah, that's I a good point. As both of you know, I really enjoy lying and yes. uh, speaking bullshit. And that entire episode was nothing but that, which True. runs very counter to what the whole point of our yeah. show is. Uh, <laughs> but it was Does very it? fun. So you're fighting the every every core of your being this whole time just to <laughs> just to not lie to the listeners. <laughs> exactly. To try and be truthful and actually perform science communication that's productive and useful. Oh, what a wild concept. Yeah, what a wild concept. I, so you're not I a think, phoenix rising from the ashes, huh? 
No, I am. I just got back from work. I don't know what you told our beautiful listeners that I was doing, but we we told well, them you were in I lab wouldn't doing worry a about it. anybody essay. That is uh, correct. Damn it, Sean. Next question comes from Zach Cope via email. Like this it. guy sent an email to us. Um, I, I used to like Zach until I read this question. Uh-oh. Right, right, right. I haven't read this question yet. <laughs> Zach asks, hello, this is a question for Sean, but anyone can answer it. Who is your favorite musician, and why is it Bob Seger? Okay. Sean? All right, Zach. Do you have an answer? You know, you know what? Just because you're, you think just because you're a patron, you could just come on our show and bully well, he us, is, huh? he is a patron, so Is he, that what you yeah, think, friend can. of the show and patron, Zachary Cope, that you can just spread lies about my music, musical interests. So for yep, this for is sure. an ongoing joke with me and Zach is that Bob Seger is one of the worst musicians ever. And uh, I, I don't like that. him, mm-hmm. but, but Zach for some reason just loves, Oh my God. Zach just fucking texted me. Hold on. He just <laughs> texted me and said, I hope you answer my question. <laughs> oh my God. What is this timing? <laughs> Zach, you son of a bitch. Zach, are you in my house? Where are you? <laughs> Jesus. He's in that closet behind you. Oh, <laughs> If, <laughs> I, I think, Sean, you have to answer this question first. Okay, if I was actually... So it's obviously not Bob Seger because he's terrible, but if I were picked... No. Like, it's hard for me to pick a single artist. But well, you can just say Jimmy Buffett. It's fine. You oh, can say my that. God. Oh, no, 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 no. He is your favorite. Honestly, if I was picking, like... If I went back and looked at, like, my most listened to Judas bands... Judas Priest. <laughs> it's going to be, like, uh-huh. Iron Maiden and Sublime. <laughs> so, like, Sublime. That's probably my... Oh. But Sublime has... It's been a long time since I've really been deep in the Sublime hole. So. Uh, dear, yeah, sure. Dear listeners, uh, Sean's musical tastes stopped developing in about 2002. <laughs> Listen, I was listening to the new Hootie and the Blowfish album. This week, so. Are you fucking kidding me? I thought Darius Rucker went solo. Did he not go solo? No, they, they got back Darius, together and just released a new They album. got back together? Yeah. Oh, that hurts me so much. That's like if I had heard the news that someone thought up a new recipe for macaroni and cheese. <laughs> Come on, it's good. <laughs> okay. Listen, if I honestly had to pick, like, I can give you the genres. Here's a little window into Sean's musical, like, oh, I don't know. Oh, we need listening. this. Yes, please. I literally listen to, like, a bunch of, like, 80s thrash metal. Nice. <laughs> or 90s alternative. That's basically, like, exclusively yeah. what I listen to. That's about right. So, yeah, if it's the morning, it's just, like, Megadeth and Anthrax. And if it's the afternoon, it's Hootie and the Blowfish and, like... Mm-hmm. Late fucking... at night, it's just a shitload of... Uh... Uh, three, three Dave naked Matthews ladies. band. Bare naked ladies. <laughs> the three naked, yeah, bare naked ladies. <laughs> the three exactly. naked ladies. <laughs> That's the three. So, all right, you guys, should, are you guys gonna answer? Pace. You yes. Answer. Okay. If you say, uh, Bob, if, hold on. If any of you say Bob Seger, I'm quitting the show. I barely even know who he is. Good. So we already like, know who Pace's favorite artist is. We've established it in show canon very, very early that's on. That's not, and it's not true. Um, my favorite musician is Chris Thiele, actually. Chris um, Thiele, Dan? No. Will you? Will you? Chris will you fucking? Will you cut the shit? <laughs> oh my god! No, it's. Let me be serious for one goddamn minute on this show, Kenan. All right. Okay. okay. Let me tell you why. Chris Dealey is the greatest musician of all time. Let me tell you. Tell me why. Because A. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hey, nothing. Let, uh, let me also tell you why Nick Carter is also my favorite musician. Um, right. No, uh, Chris Dealey is my favorite musician because he plays the mandolin. And he also won the MacArthur Genius Award in 2015, maybe? 
uh, for music, um, which basically is uh, a designation of being a prime innovator in your field of study or interest. Mm-hmm. Um, he is, he's he's like a gigantic music nerd. He plays Bach on his mandolin for fun and then makes YouTube videos and posts them. And he also uh, is the founder of the Punch Brothers, which is one of probably the greatest uh, experimental bluegrass bands that has ever existed. And they are amazing. If you haven't checked them out, you should. Uh, and he's just not only incredibly talented, but also has just a great personality in regards to his like attitude towards life and music uh, and would really recommend checking out his content if you're looking for some sort of alternative take on bluegrass and why it's good. So he is my favorite musician. I wanted to let you get through your entire spiel because I think it's important thank you. That you have that moment. Yes, thank you. Now, what are you going to do? Bluegrass that- sucks. Crotch chop, crotch chop, crotch chop. No, no bluegrass is good, but I really wish you had just said what band he was in like four seconds into the description. And you know what? At the very end. He, okay. Do you know why I didn't? Because he did a bunch of like solo shit for like a decade, mm-hmm. and then he was in like Nickel Creek for like seven or eight years, and then he started Punch Brothers after that. So like mm. the pinnacle of his career happened is happening right now, but he's been around. He's been playing mandolin since he was like 10 years old at bluegrass festivals. So like the dude's ridiculous. Cannon, what's Does yours? that make sense now? Listen, okay, let's right. let's move on, I guess. I, you, you know, guys are not having I me right now. were on a roll until you showed up, Kenan. Now you're just going to bring down the fucking <laughs> I didn't podcast. Do it. I didn't do anything. <laughs> Finally, the funny person has arrived. Listen, <laughs> I, I think you listeners, we all know the the first half of the episode was for you guys, okay? I'm sure actually it was much better without me here. It was probably on track. It it no, was on track. True. We've spent an average <laughs> of like 15 more minutes on this question than any of the other ones. Okay, well, I will take our listeners through a journey through time uh and <laughs> do it. While I look up what my top most listened to artists on Spotify are. So, apparently, According to Spotify, I went to Spotify.me and I looked up actual statistics on my most listened to bullshit. Uh, and according to Spotify, the band that I listened to the most of all time is a band called Wardruna. Um, I don't which know is, what that band is. It's a, it's a Norwegian folk music band. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's... <laughs> That's classic Kevin. Checks out for you, dude. I think I think I listened to a lot of them in grad school, just like an overwhelming amount because it was like good background music, and now it's just stuck there forever. I see. Yeah. Um, okay. Recent listening tells me that my favorite top artist recently is a band called Sand Scout, which is a really, really good band from the UK. Um, and my top track is No One Knows Me Like the Piano by Sampha. All right. Yeah, dude. You're 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 like your music tastes are so mainstream that I wouldn't even know you were an Aquarius. I also really like Bob Seger. <laughs> Fuck! God damn it, Kenan. <laughs> I said I was quitting the show. I'm I've, done. I've been working on my night moves. Nice. Bye, Sean. God, I fucking hate that song. It's so bad. Okay. Thank you, Kenan. Uh well, this has been <laughs> such a good mailbag episode. Mm-hmm. Of the real science cast. I agree. Yeah, I think we should um, probably call it. We did a lot of questions. We should wrap up. I agree, Pace. And I'm so happy I got to make it back for a little bit of the questions. Because I'm, I'm so happy too. Same. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I think we need to, we have a couple people we need to thank. And first off, I want to thank everybody who sent in questions. We really appreciate it. Uh, 
we got a fuckload, which is great and always feels good. Uh, it turns out if we post more on social media, people talk to us more. So I think we're going to try and do that a little bit more. Um, Weird. I mean, not on Facebook, idea. but, you know, everything <laughs> else. <laughs> uh, if you want to find out more about the show or you want to find out how to submit questions to us, you can go to our website at realsciencecast.com. Uh, check us out there. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at Real Science Cast. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at our Real Science Cast page or... You can email us at realsciencecast <laughs> at gmail.com. Don't worry, Kitten. I got you there. My brain shut down. <laughs> it's okay. I saw. I, I thought you were going to stroke out first. <laughs> I started staring in the middle distance, and I almost threw uh, up. If you have questions about cats, you can also email those questions to realsciencecats at gmail.com. That is true. Thank you, Pace. That is very important that people do not forget that. Mm-hmm. We also should... Uh, I know we already talked about this, uh, but we should reannounce what movie we're going to be watching next week, uh, which is Flubber. Um, by the time you hear this episode, you will have 12 hours to get us questions about Flubber. So please. Yes, that's true. Hop because on we are recording media. on the same day exactly. that it is being released. <laughs> so please hop on social media, ask us questions about physics, uh, polymer science. Um, I think specifically on the Instagram post today, I asked people for questions about um, robots that want to fuck their masters uh, because mm. that's a big theme in this movie. How does one get jiggy with it, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. We'll find out. I guess thank you to Otis McDonald for the use of his song, Third Eye Blimp, as the intro and outro of our program. Mm -hmm. And if you are interested in, uh, you know, donating some of that hard-earned cash that you have made to our content, which is wild. Why would you do that? But if you want to, (laughs) you can find us on Patreon. Absolutely. Go to patreon.com. Look for the Real Science Cast where you can see some of the new content we're going to be talking about. Um, We're hoping to release some soon. So wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh, If you want to get on the ground floor on some of our Patreon content, um, you will get an opportunity pretty soon. Uh, If you pledge $2 or more a month, you can send us an email with a request for specific movies. And we will pick from one of three that you send us. And none of them will be either Wild Wild West or Jumanji. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. This is also a a bespoke comment for my sister Jenny Crossan. Um, you need to send us three movies because you're a new patron. Mm-hmm. Send us three movies. Please and we do. We'll do your thing. I will try and text you and not just do this, but I have a microphone, so I'm doing it now. We have a platform and we're using it. Yes. Uh, is that that good? Is that everything? That sounds good to me. Let's end this episode real quick. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening and for sending in questions. We love you very much. We'll see you in a week. My name's Kenan Smith. My name is Sean Crossan. I'm Michael Pace. And you don't need good science to make a good movie. But you better have questions about it. Yeah, otherwise our show dies. <laughs> so.